This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 41. Our guest today is Suzanne Roan. We will be discussing how a woman leader can shine in a crowd. Today you will learn why nothing is more important to advance your career and life than creating personal and business relationships. Even though we have digital devices and lots of time savers, the most powerful way to build those relationships is face-to-face. Get ready to learn many simple networking techniques that you can put to use right away. And listen for a special offer at the end of the show on how to get a free copy of my new program, 15 Leadership Secrets Guaranteed to Help Women Get Promoted. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast. Showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Sabrina Brahm with womensleadershipsuccess.com. In this segment of Women's Leadership Radio, our guest is Susan Roan. We will be discussing how a woman leader can shine in a crowd. Today you will learn why face-to-face encounters are still important to your career and personal success and some smart tips to to connect and engage people in your business and personal life. Susan Roan is a speaker, a communications expert, a consultant, and a coach, and is the author of the classic How to Work a Room, known as, and she's known as the Mingling Maven. And she's written the book Face to Face, How to Reclaim the Personal Touch in a Digital World. She has sold more than a million books. Welcome, Suzanne. Well, thank you so much, Sabrina. Well, great to be here. Thank you, and you know it brings a smile to my face to have you on the show. Um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the late 1980s, I was attending a National Speakers Association conference for the first time, and I felt pretty inhibited. It seemed like the people were well-known and famous, and I was sitting in the lobby all by myself, and all of a sudden, a, a woman walked up to me, sat down next to me, and introduced herself, Susan Roan, and began to ask me questions and uh, tell me about National Speakers Association. And so that was you. And when by the time you left me 20 minutes later, I felt so enthused and excited, and I ended up getting up and talking to people and connecting with people, and I've never forgotten that. So thank you. That is so nice to hear. You know, um, it's always been my mantra is if you see someone alone, go over to them. And that's maybe uh, one of our first lessons for leaders, women leaders. You know, we have an inherent thing that women were raised with. I, I call that the host training. When you're at any event and you see someone alone, even if they're the CEO of your company, that person is sitting there. And unless they're on the phone, which didn't happen in the 1980s, uh-huh. go over and talk to them. I'm, I'm so um, delighted that it meant something to you and it changed your um, mindset for the event. So maybe that's the lesson, you know, 
people, if we just go over to some of the people standing alone and sitting alone and extend ourselves and be the natural friendly host, I sometimes call that bride training, behavior that we have to make people feel welcome, that's a gift. And it's especially a gift face-to-face. And we all know people that do that. And, you know, we can do that too. And that's a start. That it's true, and and from that experience, that's something that I do, and the people are always really interesting. Well, and that's another point. I've had people say to me, you know, I've spoken to groups all over the world, and I've had people say to me, well, you know, how do you get out of a boring conversation? That person was so boring, they only talked about one thing. You know something? When we find the area of interest that someone has, they become interesting. They become animated. I was once picked up for a speech by one of the young gentlemen, and he asked me how I liked my stay at this hotel. And I told him, I said, I called early and asked if they had free weights. And when I came in, all they had was machines. I thought it was kind of funny. I, they thought I meant free weights, that I, they didn't charge for it. That wasn't <laughs> the point. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, this young, shy introverted man's eyes lit up and he didn't talk about the my brilliant pun which disappointed me and he said oh you're into weight training what do you do and we got an, a subject that he loved because he was into weight training i watched his whole body language change as he was driving how he became more comfortable with me so if you find an area that someone's interested in they become interesting. There's another point, too. There are things, by the way, if someone says, oh, I can give you a recipe, I am out of the conversation. I don't cook. But if someone knows something about a technical aspect or something I don't know, why don't we view it as I can learn something new? Women who are leaders must be constant 24-hour-7 learners. Our antenna must be up. If someone has something they know a lot about, how fabulous is that? We get to learn something, further our education. Wow. You, uh, this is so much fun. I'm, I'm just uh, smiling over here because you've got so much to share with us. And I, w- I want to back up and ask you a question. I had this happen a few years ago. I was at a conference, <clears throat> all women, and, I, and I'm somewhat shy. And I thought, well, I'm going to go out and meet people in the lobby. And when I got out to the lobby, everybody was on a cell phone. And I didn't know if what I, to do. If I were my grandmother, I would have done that tisk tisk hand sign and go, "Shame on you!" <laughs> you know, do you remember those oh, the, that generation? I do. Shame on you! What were you know? We're always on a cell phone, and that it has been that has been cataclysmic. But I remember it had to be about ten years ago. I was having a boardroom report dinner in New York. We were, uh, I believe, it was. Four Seasons, and I saw this couple at this gorgeous New York bar. They were having, they were the beautiful people. They were looking, I saw it in each other's eyes, having this great conversation. As they got closer, they were each on a cell phone talking to someone else. Oh, no. And I thought, well, there went my idea for writing a movie based on what I just saw. (laughs) You know, we need to be conscious of something else. If we see that happening, we need to make sure we're not the people always on the phone. Here's my thought. People have a lot going on. 
women and men, they're balancing work, they're balancing their families, their mothers are getting and fathers are getting older, so we're the sandwich generation. There's so much going on, it's 24-7, we do need our phones near us. On the other hand, we are also using those phones as crutches to avoid eye contact, to avoid the people in the room around us. Why are you paying $450 to show up at a conference with other people and talking to people on the phone that aren't there? Right. And also, face-to-face conversation with someone that you don't know is more difficult than calling your grandmother up in in New Jersey. Absolutely. But you're at a conference. So let me play it this way. We want our listeners to be empowered and to think of themselves as the future leaders that can rise up through the ranks. If you're going to a conference, what you do is make it your job to approach people alone, get into groups. You be the person that helps people who are shy of having conversation. There is no point to go to a conference and not meet people. I once did a program for a national association, and I decided to call it Networking for the Hall of It. Because, and this was in 1999, everything happened in the hall. And even, I think I wrote in face-to-face, a lot of the Silicon Valley leaders, they came up with this term, the lobby con. That's the conference that happens in the lobby, generally in the bar, over a beverage. But that's where people, you know, to use the word, they schmoozed, they interacted, they shared laughs, they shared ideas. They bonded in a way that set the groundwork for building a relationship of rapport and trust. That's so important. And, you know, you kind of answered, partially answered the question, how do good communication skills impact getting promoted? Well, you know, to a one, most universities have research from their communications department, their social um, research department, that the number one skill people want and need in any boss, any leader, any manager, any employee is the ability to communicate. When I wrote, what do I say next, um, which was what people said after they go, okay, I worked the room, now what do I say next? You know, what do I say next? When I wrote that conversation book, um, it was based on uh, – some research from Stanford, and the research from the Stanford MBA professor was he noticed that 10 years out, his most successful students had one trait in common, and that's they talked to other people. They could give a speech. They could be inside of a group. They conversed with other people. It wasn't that they had all A's. That was not the trait that they had in common. It was some of the C students. It's if you could talk to other people. Interesting. You know, I'm thinking I do uh, executive coaching in corporations, and the the top leaders that I work with always ask me, how are you doing? What's new in your life? That's the first thing they say to me before we start talking about them. So That's a lesson. That's a lesson for, for anyone listening that thinks, oh, I can't do small talk because this isn't important enough for someone that is, has the a career aspirations I do. Please, if you see that leaders will say, how are you, 
what's going on and set that tone of starting with small talk conversation, that's how you build to big talk. Right now, you know, November will have, you know, we have a lot going on. It's post-election. It's post-World Series. I had to get that plug in because the San Francisco Giants swept the World Series, (laughs) and I did go to the parade, which, by the way, on an aside, I had to leave the parade a little early because there was a lot of smoke wafting from the crowd that gave me a headache, which they mentioned on TV. And my line, I've said to people, who knew I was standing in the glaucoma section? (laughs) I had such a headache. But do you see what I just did, Sabrina? Yes. And this is what I want to point out to our, our listeners. If we bring who we are to what we do, we give people a chance to connect with us on a deeper level as people. I mean, as fans of a team, as uh, supporters of of a, a charity. If we let a little bit about us be known, that helps people figure out what to talk to us about. So, uh, um I'm thinking about how does one learn small talk, and the thing that came to mind was, well, maybe if that's not an easy thing for you, you need to make a point of remembering one or two things that have happened um, that you could share with somebody else. Well, first of all, how you make small talk, boy, (laughs) my line would be straight from the comedians is, have I got a book for you? But um, Certainly, come to my website because I have so much that's free in the article section on conversation and small talk that www.susanroane.com. Come, take for free. But here's the other thing. I've I've had corporate, you know, CEOs and people in the C-suite. I've had a couple of them say to me, oh, I'm too busy to read a newspaper. And I remember one guy, perfectly attired, great suit, said to me, but I have trouble making small talk. And I looked at him going, let me see if I got this straight. You don't read the paper, and you're telling me you can't make small talk. Read the local paper, whether it's online or in print. It has the local information, the national information, the international information, the entertainment information. People talk about movies. They talk about books. They talk about restaurants. They talk about the weather. I had a client I spoke for, a very top law firm in Pittsburgh. This partner read four papers a day, and he admitted that, oh, I also read USA Today. Really, why? He said, because then I know the sports scores and weathers of all the clients from within other parts of the country, and I can start conversation with it. Wow. Smart tip. You know, it's so practical. We, we, You know, we really know all this. I'm just reframing it in a way that, you know, your mother said this to you, you know, but let's reframe it in a way that says this is how we're going to move ahead, but not just for ourselves, but we're going to also bring ahead our network of people and help everyone get to where they want to go. Very, very good point. <clears throat> um, I want to segue into something else. I had a woman contact me last week who um, she sent me a letter. She works in a construction company. She's a supervisor. She has um, uh, just gotten her MBA, very highly qualified. She doesn't know how to uh, connect with her bosses to let them know that she would like to get promoted 
Do you have any suggestions for how to network at the next level up? Yes. First of all, there is no way you shouldn't know something about those people in the next level up. They are all on LinkedIn. You can look at their profiles. You can see what their interests are. Um, if you're working with them, you should have an idea. You know, are they a, a Giants fan, an Oakland A's fan, a New York Yankees fan? Are they into hockey or are they personally marathoners? You should already know that if your ears are open. Um, and that's one of the things I wrote in The Secrets of Savvy Networking. Our antenna must be up all the time. We must be listening and observing. And there is no reason not to know what's going on with your bosses, with your colleagues, with the people that report to you. Um, how you do that is there are events that your boss shows up to, there are associations. How about this, asking the boss for, you know, I'm interested in this. What would you recommend I do? I'm interested in this. Would you recommend I join that association? Ask them for advice because it shows you respect their opinion, but not advice that would put you in the position of looking like you don't know what you're doing. Um I know I see you're in that organization someone recommended that I go to one of the, one of their events um would that be something that you would suggest and you know people are more approachable but I think I it's important to know this Sabrina you may assume that the boss that you have is not very friendly what I want us all to remember is that over 90% of us self-identify as shy in these social events. That's amazing. 90%. That used to be 80 when I first wrote How to Work a Room 24 years ago. But the, it jumped. And when they asked Dr. Philip Zimbardo, who was the head of the American Psychological Association and helped start the Stanford Shyness Clinic, what he attributed that jump to, and he said, technology. So if we know going into it that our bosses, our colleagues, our coworkers, 90% are shy or think of themselves as shy, that helps us get the mindset of, okay, what can I do to make that person comfortable with me? That's what I like to say to everyone listening. Switch your mindset to what can I do to make people comfortable with me? I like so, that. I'm wondering on this, you know, finding out like what team the person's a fan of, should I should would would it be good for me to keep a uh some kind of a document to keep track of who likes what or how many kids that person has or other information? Do you write it down or do you just have this like great memory? Well, if it's the team I like, I remember <laughs> you know some people write things down now these days if someone says to me something, I go, if I don't write it down, I am so not remembering it. But that's because we're doing 10,000 things more than two generations before us. It's good to write things down. But if we get, and I'm just going to say it the only way I know, if we get anal retentive about keeping lists and write, writing things down, we spend more time writing things down, and then that gives us less time to actually talk to people. Okay. So find the balance. If you need to write it down, if someone tells you something interesting Oh, you know, my my mother just, um, you know, won a contest and whatever. You know, you might want to write that down. 
if someone says, I'm, one of my clients said, he happened to hear me say that I'm Grandma Susan to two boys who play for Stanford football, uh-huh. and his son was applying to Stanford. We went, that made just a totally different connection where I kind of went out to my little Stanford network and said, what can we do about this early admission applicant? You know, listen to what people say. Bring a little more. He would never have told me that had I not um, been very proud to say that I'm lucky enough without having had children to be Grandma Susan to these two magnificent boys playing football for Stanford. So bring bring it into your conversation, but also listen. People actually tell you what they want to talk about. Um, We have a wonderful uh, columnist here at the San Francisco Chronicle that said a word yesterday. I actually put it out on Twitter. I loved it so much, and I quoted her. I have in my book, How to Create Your Own Luck, I found one of the traits of people who create their own luck is that they listen and they eavesdrop. Not the kind that people did in the movie 9 to 5, but they overhear things. And if someone says something and has a question, like, oh, I'm looking for trying to find my way to Coit Tower in San Francisco, people will go up and say, hey, you know, just take a left, take a right. Overhearing can be very helpful. But she has a section on eavesdropping, and she said she heard a little item, and she called it an eavesdroplet. Oh, that's true. And I love that word. She combined two words. So we need to be people that overhear things. If you hear a boss or a coworker say, oh, yeah, I'm going to this because my, you know, sister is involved in whatever, and you know something or you have an idea, don't be afraid to say, excuse me, you know, I hope this will be helpful. Sometimes I've said to people, I couldn't help but overhear. I'm standing in front of them. How could I not have overheard? <laughs> exactly. How do, how about preparing for business events? Um, I'm I'm getting ready to go to Vision 2020, which is uh, a conference uh, to help women get parity in their wages and to get equality in positions like boards and presidents of companies. And I won't know anybody there, so uh, let me just use me for an example. How would I prepare for walking into this business event? Well, I got a great opening line because when you just said it, Vision 2020, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's what I my goal is, why I've just had my glasses changed. <laughs> but there's a great pun in that, and it's a great metaphor. Having 2020 is optimal. So that's what we're looking for. So I think there's something in that of what they call the conference, how you prepare. There is no reason for any of us to walk in anything cold. You go online, there's a website. There's probably a LinkedIn group. There's probably information out there if you just Google or go to Bing and put in the name and you'll see things. You'll know who's going to be involved, who the speakers are, what the mission is, Um who might be attending. And to me, that seems that that's the start of the information you need to build conversation. Also, all of us have an idea of what, if we're going to a conference, we know information about that area. Let's make a list of what we know, who we know, how also we could help other people there. You know, it's just not about us getting what we need. We are also sources of great information and great experiences, and we need to make 
a mental note of, hey, I'm already pretty good at this. I can be helpful to someone else. That's a really important mindset. That's really great. And what about handing out business cards? And I know personally sometimes I don't want to feel like I'm like trying to push my my card off on somebody. So what's a what's a more easy flow way to give a business card out? Well, you know, I wrote a section on business cards in the first How to Work Room, and when I was writing Secrets of Savvy Networking, I said, you know, I think this, and then I wrote it in 91, 92, when people were dealing business cards like they were dealing blackjack, and I go, ooh, something's wrong with this. Right. So I wanted to write a chapter, and I went and did the research of what was written about business cards, and it was from my other book, (laughs) which was kind of, oh, this was good. Oh, my gosh, that's my own book. you know, business cards are still in vogue, and they've been doing articles on it, just one in the Wall Street Journal. Come with business cards. And this is the tip from Susan Rowan. Please make sure your business cards have the pertinent information visible and easily read. Don't make me search for a phone number. Don't make me search for an email. Make it easy to read. Bring enough business cards But the other thing about business cards is when you've talked to someone, they are the perfect follow-up. Now we have apps for that. We can go to Bump and Card Munch for LinkedIn. But that's in addition to actually exchanging cards. Because when you put something into an app, you have nothing tactile to look at later and get the feel for the person. Because on the back of the card, you could write a mnemonic device that will help you remember who the person was. Excellent. How about shining in a crowd? Do you have any special pointers for women? Uh, you know, women. Is there anything a woman needs to be careful of or do differently than a, a male? Um, and I'm thinking of women that want to get promoted because that's my audience. Yes, a women lead, women um, emerging leaders, people who want to get promoted. You know, I have a whole book for it, How to Work a Room. Uh-huh. But what we it's an excellent to, book, by the way. I love that book. Thank you. And and again, I have many How to Work a Room articles on my site that you could come to for free. But here's the caveat: you must recommend me to be hired to speak at your company or association. <laughs> See what I just did? Yeah. If we don't let People know, even by way of a prepositional phrase within a sentence, how will they ever know we want them to think of us for a promotion? How will you ever know I would like to bring my message via being a hired speaker and presenter for your company, college, whatever, if I don't let you know? Exactly. Via, and you can do it very discreetly within a sentence as a prepositional phrase, not as a hard sell, I'm going to back you in the corner. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't go over. But to shine in a crowd, first of all, before you go anywhere, prepare. I'm going to give you a couple things. Have your own self-introduction prepared. Don't wait that someone's going to introduce you to who you want to be introduced to. That self-introduction, and these are the Rowan rules, it's not a 30-second elevator pitch. You're not in an elevator. You And even if you're in an elevator, please don't go on for 30 seconds unless you're in the old Sears <laughs> Tower. Seven to nine seconds, it's a pleasantry. And in that seven to nine seconds, of course you give your name. Patricia Fripp, phenomenal speaker, suggests don't give your title. What you do is give the benefit of what you do. Give really the benefits. That, 
yes, because that helps people think, oh, that's a service or uh, a work need that I have. Uh, The third one is um, connected to the event you're at. Your self-introduction changes depending on which association, which group, who you're talking to. What you do by customizing your self-introduction to fit that situation is you help people give context for why you're there and what they can talk to you about because 90% of them are shy and they don't know what to say. That's that's great. But I want to give another one. Really make sure that you're dressed so that you mean business. As much as I love the fashion magazines, don't for a minute believe anything that fashion designers tell you that women who are in positions of power wear. Be really safe on the conservative side. Take a look around. Stand outside some board meeting and see how the women on the board are dressed. It's not flashy, trendy, whatever. I mean, this isn't, you know, it's not American Idol. You know, it's it's really, oh, I don't know. It's not, it's fashion, but it's fashion for those who, um, take their job and themselves seriously. So be prepared that way. Do your homework. Be well read. People say to me, you know, again, I didn't know what to say. Um, Make sure that you are conversant on the subjects at hand that have to do with the company, the issues. The um, They become with some solutions in hand to problems that people have expressed online and offline that the company has. Okay, and specifically, uh, so let's say a woman's she's in a, which is not uncommon in the corporate world. She may be in a meeting where it's mostly men. Um, is there anything that she needs to pay attention to or, or be careful to do or not do? Well, first of all, be very careful about being careful. I mean, I do think you need to be wise, but if you sit at a meeting and say nothing, they think you have nothing to say. Really good point. And I actually just like the way I phrased that. I hope I remember that again. (laughs) We want to come prepared for meetings. If someone says something and you don't agree and you don't, and I personally don't like confrontation, you might, instead of saying, well, that's wrong, you might say, well, I have another perspective on that issue. I have another perspective on that issue. I have a different perspective on that issue. That's a pretty safe way to do it. It's a safe way to do it. It's a safe way to do it so that you are heard rather than being contentious. And become prepared. Um, If someone says something that is an out and out, now they have a new hashtag, pants on fire, because we don't want to say liar, liar. If they have something that's really wrong, don't sit there in silence, because if it's wrong and you say nothing, you're complicit. Yeah, I think a different perspective is a good thing to say, and it, and it is fairly common for women to not speak up. It's a it's a uh, challenge for a lot of the women I work with in corporations. Yes, we we must speak up, but we and bring your sense of humor. If you see the guys are all joking around, and heavens knows their jokes we heard the night before on Leno, but bring a sense of humor. You know, be a little bit more at ease with yourself. Now, if someone says something and makes a joke that's inappropriate, it's very fair not to laugh, you know, because we don't want to okay their inappropriateness. 
But you see these people just schmoozing and joking around and talking. That's something that goes on, whether it's the boardroom or the golf course, and we need to build on that as well, but within our own parameters. But what we want to do is make sure that the men on the board know that we are on board, that we are interested, that we are competent, that we do have different opinions and that they're good opinions. One of the things I said to you earlier is we sometimes look like that woman that said, how do I let the boss know I've got an MBA that I want to go further up? Look at some of the people and some of the men in the positions of power. You can do just as well, if not better, because most of us are more educated and more prepared. So use that to encourage yourself. Yeah, that... encourage yourself. You know, if we look at people and say, I can do that, I've already done that. When I was starting out in my own business, and I am a San Francisco laid off 1,200 teachers a number of years ago, and I was one of them, and that's how I started building my career change and designing the San Francisco Examiner Career Series. I looked around at people, and I said, and I'm going to say it just the way I said it, that idiot is doing that? I can be just as big an idiot. I can even be better at what he's supposed to be doing. So it's look around at what people are doing and say, I've I've done that. I can do that. I have the background. I have the talent. And if do. you don't, you can get it. <laughs> if you don't, you can get it. This show is a wonderful mentor. You're coaching wonderful mentor. There are books out there. And you know what? Here's another thing. If you see someone, I've written the articles on mentorship for the original career series, and I put chapters on mentorship both in face-to-face and savvy networking. You know, everyone likes to be thought of as helpful. So when you say to someone, you know, that's really great. You know, I could use your help or, you know, I need help right now. Or you're so, here's another one I'd love to say, you are so well-versed in this. Um, Could you help me figure out? Now, notice what you said. You are so well-versed. Could you help me figure out? Most people, not everyone, but most people will say, oh, that's kind of easy. You might want to do this and this and this. If you ask people for help, just in our regular lives, um, if I was, let me just tell you my personal life. Last night I had dinner with a couple and their four-year-old son who now live in Luxembourg. How did I meet them? In April of 2011, I arrived at Charles de Gaulle Airport, and my nephew was supposed to meet me at the Orly bus. And I saw this man with an iPhone, and I went up to him in the worst college French that got me a D ever, and I started the conversation because I'd been listening to tapes. It was kind of funny. He answered me in English. (laughs) And I think they probably thought, oh, that pathetic woman. But he had an iPhone, so it started our conversation. He not only texted my nephew for me, he he and his wife invited me to take the cab because they were in the same neighborhood with them. We stayed in touch. They wanted my book. My nephew brought it to them. And we've stayed in touch. And when they were coming here, I sent lists of things they should do in the Bay Area. Last night, we had dinner. How do you do this? You stay in touch. You talk to strangers. I asked him for help. Who would have thought a year and a half later we'd be having dinner in San Francisco? That's a great story. 
And we're just about out of time for the interview, and I'm wondering, is there any, are there any, besides the wonderful books that you've mentioned that you've done, are there any books or periodicals that you would uh, recommend for women? I recommend that you Google Connie Glazer, G-L-A-S-E-R, who's written the classic Swim with the Dolphins and has written books on gender communication and even one on what we can learn from Queen Esther. She is one of our national experts in helping women get to leadership positions. So I would go and, and look at her body of work And I just think, keep your antenna up. If there's a group on LinkedIn, find a group, join that group, and become involved, be part of the discussions. Also, go to um, meetup.com and find out. Every area has groups that are women in executives, whether it's in technology and accounting. Get active in your professional organization. Really, really great advice. I really want to thank you so much for taking this time to talk to us. And um, it's hard to end end the interview because I know there's so much more you would have to tell us. But thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Bye. Be sure to check out my new Women's Leadership Success Facebook fan page. And also be sure and sign up for the free access to the 7 Secrets to a Profitable Job Promotion Program. Go to www womensleadershipsuccess.com and sign up on the form that appears on the screen after a moment. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.